I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Well, if you have your Bibles with you today, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21, as we continue our study in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 21. Today we're looking at verses 1 through 9. Deuteronomy 21, verses 1 through 9. If you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there, and it's, it's page 153 in the Pew Bible. That's page 153 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, then uh, please take that Pew Bible with you today, and that's our gift to you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take it and uh, read it. It will certainly bless your life. So, No, there, there is a culture of death in the United States. Uh, we see this all around us. Of course, abortion is always on, on topic in the United States. Uh, we rejoice that Roe v. Wade was overturned. We rejoice that here in Louisiana, uh, there, uh, abortion is illegal now. Uh, but we also know that the fight's not over because those who are on the opposing side, uh, they, they continue to fight. And, and in fact, they've increased their fight, and we actually see their, their full agenda, right? Because they're not just happy with having abortion the way it was. They want nothing less than uh, unregulated, unlimited abortion across the board from the moment of conception all, all the way to the moment of birth. They want it the full abortion, and uh, they want it all across the United States. And so uh, it is a fight for us because of this culture of death that is so pervasive in our culture. Not only do we have the abortion is issue, but we've talked about before, there's the euthanasia issue, the whole idea of doctor-assisted suicide, the right to die. Death is in God's hands, not ours. But that is the, the nature of our culture. And of course, we see every night when you turn on the news, you see violence across the board just throughout in our own, our own little uh, city here. Murder is extremely high rate of crime here in, in Bastrop and in Morehouse Parish in Louisiana. Louisiana, as I, I read, I think it was last week uh, we talked about that, but uh, Louisiana is one of the highest, has one of the highest rates of murder across the United States. We live in a culture of death. And when we think about that, uh, when we think about how this affects our culture, it, we know that, uh, strangely enough, like Looney Tune cartoons, they're just out of vogue, right? You can't have Looney Tune cartoons because they, there's too much violence when uh, the, the Roadrunner and the, the Coyote go after one another, right? There's too much violence in that, yet... At the same time, few raise eyebrows at the graphic violence against human life that is portrayed in, in television shows, in movies, and in video games. Right? Can't have Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd going after it, but hey, 
Let's have the most violent video games that we could ever imagine that are so realistic that it seems like you're actually in a battle and all that's okay. People have a right to play their video games, right? On video games, when we think about video games, research has shown that chronically playing violent video games increases aggressive behavior, changes brain function, and desensitizes players to violence. Why has there been a rise in the murder rate in recent years? Our culture of death is training people to kill. I mean, seriously. Gamers, don't get mad at me. But I've seen some of these video games. And they're so realistic. They're so realistic. That as people, as, as these kids grow up playing those video games, as they grow up killing people on video games, they go out into life and it's like the video game. They waste life in the video game. So how big of a step is it for the way to waste life in real life? But that's okay. Because people have a right to that. They have a right to their entertainment. Our culture of death is an abomination in the sight of God. We need to realize this, church. This culture of death is a, an abomination in the sight of our holy and righteous God. And it ought to sadden our hearts. Today we continue our study as we walk through the Deuteronomic law and Moses' application of the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, which focuses on the dignity and sanctity of human life. In today's text, we learn that human life is sacred life. Human life is sacred life. It is holy, sacred life. And we discover how offensive the taking of innocent life is to God and how offensive, how offensive it should be to us. Today I want to show you three principles concerning the sanctity of human life. Two that point us to the seriousness of perpetuating this culture of death and one that points to the hope of redemption so if you found your place there, I do want to read our text this morning. If you found your place there in Deuteronomy 21, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. When you go out, oh, wrong, wrong chapter. Now, hear the word of the Lord. If, if in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess, someone is found slain, that is, the literal word there is pierced, lying in the open country, and it is not known who killed him. Then your elders and your judges shall come out, and they shall measure the distance to the surrounding cities. And the elders of that city, of, of the city that is nearest to the slain man, shall take a heifer that has never been worked and that has not pulled in a yoke, 
And the elders of that city shall bring the heifer down to a valley with running water, which is neither plowed nor sown, and shall break the heifer's neck there in the valley. Then the priest, the son of Levi, shall come forward, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister to him and to bless in the name of the Lord. And by their word, every dispute and every assault shall be settled. And all the elders of that city nearest to the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck has been broken in the valley. And they shall testify, our hands did not shed this blood, nor our eyes see it shed. Accept atonement, O Lord, for your people Israel whom you have redeemed, and do not set the guilt of innocent blood in the midst of your people Israel, so that their blood guilt be atoned for. So you shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from your midst when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we do pray that you would write eternal truth upon our hearts today, Lord. Oh Lord, let us see the wonderful value of human life. Lord, let it be said in our hearts to work to change this culture of death that is so pervasive in our culture. And Lord, let us always look to and direct other people to the, the source of redemption that is found in Jesus Christ. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we begin to look at our text here, and, it, and this is a kind of a strange text to us, uh, what is taking place here is this is a, a case in which someone is found slain. Now, this is not someone who who went out in the woods or went out in the field and had a heart attack and, and died. As I stated there, as I was reading the text, the, the slain man, right, the one slain in the field, the word there is literally the one who is pierced. Uh, there is an indication here that this person was murdered. They were murdered and left out there in the wilderness, wherever they are left. And so this is a case of a murder has taken place, and we don't know who did it, right? We know what to do when, when the murder, murderer is evident. God has already told us that. It's the death penalty, right? But here the case is that we don't know who the murderer is, right? The Israelites don't know who the murderer is, so what do you do? And so they are instructed, you, you bring out the, the priests, the Levites, the, the leaders, they go out to the body and they measure and they find the closest city because naturally you would think the perpetrator probably came from the closest city. And, and so they would go to that city that's closest, the elders there, they would come out to the land there and they would find this place of, of flowing water that has not been broken up by the plow, right? They're, they're not going necessarily to the scene of the crime, but they're, they're going to this place of purity. The land has not been perverted. It's pure. It's holy, right? And, and they're to bring this heifer out, a heifer that is holy, that is pure, without 
any kind of blemish. This is a, a heifer that's never been used for work, right? They, it hasn't been blemished by work, by common work. And they bring this heifer out to this, this holy spot of land that has not been perverted by any of, of, any of man's implements. And they bring it to this holy beast, to this holy place, and they break its neck there. They slaughter it because atonement needs to be made. An offense against God has been done, and now atonement is needed. We see here the seriousness, right? We see in this text the seriousness of taking innocent life. Even in the case where, where the people, they do not even know who done this. Nobody saw this take place. No one witnessed it. Witnessed it. But yet still, their atonement is needed. Atonement is needed. We see here the first principle. Human life is sacred life. Human life is sacred life, and human life is sacred because human life is created in God's image. As we wonder why it is such a serious offense, why is it so serious that you've got to go through all of this sacrificial uh, ritual to atone for this sin because human life is sacred and it's sacred because human life is created in the image and likeness of God. We go back to Genesis 1, right? We see this from the very foundation of heaven and earth. When God first created man, and He created mankind in His own image and likeness. Chapter 1, verse 26 of Genesis reads, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the, of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so mankind, human life, is created in the image and likeness of God. Now, we can't go into all that means today. Uh, that's a big topic. We could have, I could preach a whole sermon on the image of God and mankind. But the point here is that we are created, right? Every human being, every human being, no matter their ethnic, ethnicity, no matter their social status. No matter what crimes they have committed in life, every human life is created in the image and likeness of God. Yes, it is stained by sin, but that does not change the fact that every human life is created in the image and likeness of God. We bear God's image. One way that we bear God's image, and I'll just cover the one way, because like I say, we don't have time to cover all the ways that we might reflect His image, but one way is in our ability to relate to one another, right? God created us male and female. 
And marriage brings about a, a unique bond between a husband and a wife when a husband and wife, male and female, come together and they, they make one flesh, just like God is three persons and one God. In marriage, husband and wife come together. There's a special relationship. There's a special unifying of the two that make one. And so we have to think at least in that way and the way we are able to relate to one another, it reflects the image of God in us. There are many other ways that we could discover we reflect God's image, but at least in that, because God did create us male and female in His image and likeness. We are created in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, when you flip on over to Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 9, after the flood, God establishes the death penalty. God establishes the death penalty. Notice what he says in Genesis chapter 9, starting in verse 5, And for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So God established the, the death penalty as a reckoning against the murderer because murder is an attack not just on another human being. Murder is an attack on God. As we bear the image and likeness of God, when someone kills another human being, they are attacking the very image of God. They are wanting to destroy the image of God in the world. Human life is sacred life. Human life is sacred life because human life is created in the image and likeness of God. That means that human life is vastly different from every other form of life. Human life is vastly different from every other form of life in God's creation. Now here's the problem. When people value animals more than they value human life and how often do we see that even in our own culture how often do we see people valuing human life or valuing animal life more than human life I remember back a few years ago, and I've, I've shared this before, but it's worth sharing again. It's just something that marked uh, something in my mind when it happened. A few years ago, we had a case here in Bastrop. And y'all remember this, right? We had the case here where a, a young man, I think he was about 14, 15 years old, was found murdered and dumped in a trash heap on the other side of town. Murdered and left. Discarded like common trash. At the same time, just within a couple of days of that happening, 
There was a couple of boys out at the old horse barn out there who abused a dog. Now, what they did to that dog was vile, and, and we shouldn't want that either, right? Because we're stewards of God's creation, and we should never, uh, ha- uh, you know, we should never get used to violence like that against any of God's creation. What they did to that dog was, was perverse, and, and it should make us angry, right? What they did to that dog. But here is the thing. The world got all up in a rage over what those boys did to that dog, but the young man who was murdered and cast aside like trash passed by and was hardly even noticed. What an abomination that our world gets up in a rage when a dog is abused but thinks nothing of a human life being taken and discarded like trash. And you say, oh, well, but, but that boy, he was, a, he was a criminal. He was a drug dealer. He was all of these things. It don't matter. It shouldn't matter. When human life is taken, For, for, for no reason, it should cause God's people to weep and mourn. Because no matter what that young man did in his life, he was created in the image and likeness of God. Human life is sacred because human life is created in the image of and likeness of God. Second, murder requires a reckoning. As we see that in our text, murder requires a reckoning. It requires a, a, a there is personal responsibility. When life is taken, innocent life is taken, taken without cause. Right? An innocent life is taken, there is a, a personal responsibility. And so we see in Scripture that God requires the murderer to be put to death. When someone takes innocent life, when, other, when someone takes another person's life, God requires that their life be taken. Life for life. God requires a reckoning, there's personal responsibility when someone murders another person. But we also see, and we see this clearly in our text, that there's a communal responsibility. You see, we don't think about that, do we? Well, what do I have to do with, with what that person did? Well, what do I have to do with the murders, all the murders taking place here in Bastrop? What does that have to do with me? I didn't kill anyone. Yet God shows there is communal responsibility when the culture of death takes over the community. There is a cultural responsibility. 
These elders, they had to take responsibility for that person's death and they had to go out and they had to seek a reckoning. Seek God's atonement in this. Think about that. Right? There is communal responsibility and we talked about that last week. We talked about the holy wars, but... but God, he, he places a responsibility upon the whole community. That's why we see in Genesis chapter 15, verse 16, when God is, is talking to Abraham, when he is establishing his covenant with Abraham, he says, I'm going to bring your people back. And he says, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. The iniquity of this nation had to be complete. Their sin against the holy God had to be complete before God would bring the Israelites back to destroy them, to give his judgment upon that nation nations bear iniquity nations bear responsibility for the sin that takes place within them and so it is when the culture of death takes over a nation the nation bears responsibility for that as we see the culture of death sweeping by, as we see babies aborted, as we see uh, people taken out just because they're, they're old and sick, when, when murder becomes so commonplace, God requires a reckoning not just of the individual person. He will deal with them, but He requires a reckoning of the nation. Let me tell you, dear friend, America because of the culture of death that is so pervasive here in America, America is building up massive debt. And I'm not talking about the trillions of dollars that we, we have become indebted to all these other nations for, right? I'm not talking about dollars. We are building up a debt to God. Because of the devaluing of life that has taken place in this country. God is storing up wrath. Just like He stored up wrath against the Amorites, He is storing up wrath for this nation as well as the whole world. For their sin and their iniquity against God. Daniel Block makes a great point here. He says, when a person violates the righteous standards of God, unless the community responds to the crime, the guilt of the individual rests on the heads of all. We may be callous to the culture of death in which we live, expressed in 4,000 abortions per day in this country, the senseless killing of drug dealers and users, the exploitation of violence in the media, but God is not. It is time to wake up to the 
the curse that hangs over our land. And God's people should lead the way in promoting rituals that will remind us of our sinful condition and the hope of catharsis. Because of so many who have grown callous to this culture of death, God will require a reckoning. So our call today, Christians, as we think about how offensive this culture of death is to our holy God, the call for us today is to push against the culture of death. Let us not be silent. Let us not hold our tongues, but let us speak out against the culture of death. Just because Roe v. Wade has been overturned, let us not sit back and think, oh, well, we've done our job. No, the fight continues on and we must speak up for life. As, as the, the, the culture of death pushes for euthanasia, Christians need to stand up and speak for life. As violence continues to, to fill our streets, we need to speak up for life. Let us not grow callous. Oh, how easy it is, as, as pervasive as it is, how easy it is for us to grow callous to all that is going around us and say nothing, but we cannot. Let us push against the culture of death. Let us promote the value of human life. Let us be out there, right? Let us... Let us Proclaim the value of human life. Let us see that people understand that they are created in the image and likeness of God. When you see someone down on themselves, let them know their value. Let them know their value. They are created in the image and likeness of God. Let them see their value and find their value in Him. Let us proclaim the value of human life and let us mourn over the loss of life. Let us mourn over the loss of life. Even here in Bastrop, even here in Louisiana where it seems like murder is just kind of a thing, right? It's just part of the culture. We should mourn and weep when life is taken. Let us open our eyes to see the value of every human life. And let us mourn when a life is taken for no good reason whatsoever. Furthermore, let us proclaim the hope of catharsis. The hope of cleansing. Let us proclaim the hope of, of that cleansing that we see the people of Israel searching for in our text. Which leads me to our final principle here. 
which is reflected in our text. Human life is created in the image of God. Therefore, it is sacred life. Murder requires a reckoning both personally and communally. But here's the good news, right? Here's the good news that we need to proclaim to our world. God has provided the hope of redemption in Jesus Christ. God has provided the hope of redemption in His Son, Jesus Christ. We see it here in our text, right? Because this text in Deuteronomy is, made, is meant to point us to Jesus. We see it here in this we see these people, they're, they're looking for a pardon against this, this murder that has taken place. Notice there in verse 8, as they, they do all of this, as they kill the innocent heifer there in the innocent holy land there, as they do this, as they make this sacrifice, they say in verse 8, accept atonement, O Lord, for your people Israel. Actually, the word there... It is one word for, for accept atonement. It is one word. And it means atone, O Lord. Not just accept atonement, but you atone, O Lord, for the people of Israel whom you have redeemed. And do not set the guilt of innocent blood in the midst of your people Israel so that their blood guilt may be atoned for. Right? That's passive. That that blood guilt might be atoned for. Not that they're making atonement, but they're asking God, you atone for this loss of innocent life. And that whole heifer being, the innocent heifer being sacrificed there in the holy land and that innocent spirit plot of land is all pointing us to a greater sacrifice that would be made to redeem God's people from the blood guilt the pardoning uh, the pardoning of the penalty of uh, for murder of an uh, of an innocent death is of an innocent the innocent heifer had to be sacrificed. But then Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It was impossible for that heifer to take away the sin, to atone for the sin of that loss of innocent life. And they're looking to God instead to provide atonement. And God provides atonement. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time, all time, from the very beginning of time to the very end of time, for all time, a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made his footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. Romans 6.10 says it like this, For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives 
to God. Praise be to God. We don't need a heifer killed out in a field because God has provided the way of atonement by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, who was and is innocent of all sin. And though He was without sin, He went to Calvary's cross. And there on Calvary's cross, He was murdered. He was put to death. Forever murder. For every adultery. For every sin that we could ever commit. Jesus Christ died once for all. And here's how Christ's sacrifice then is applied to us. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8-9 through 9, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise be to God, we can find cleansing in Jesus Christ. For the murderer, there is hope of redemption in Christ Jesus. For the drug dealer, there is hope of redemption in Christ Jesus. For the abortionist and those who have had an abortion, there is hope of redemption in Christ Jesus. For the church that has grown callous to the culture of death, there is hope of redemption in Christ Jesus. Dear friend, no matter your sin, there is hope of redemption in Christ Jesus. Church, this is the message we must proclaim. This is the message that we must proclaim. If we want to see a shift in this culture of death, we must proclaim Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected again. Because let me tell you, dear friend, as Jesus redeems sinners, and this is the only way we get to see change. This is the only way we get to see a shift in the culture of death. As Jesus changes lives, as He saves souls, and makes people new. Then and only then will we see a shift in the culture of death. And we only look forward to the, the day <clears throat> when the culture of death is no more. When Jesus Christ returns. And He puts all of His enemies to rest. And establishes the culture of life eternal in His eternal kingdom. But until that day, we fight against the culture of death not just by speaking out for life, but by proclaiming the words of life. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Dear friends, we've got to pray for Christ to change our culture. And then we have to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ.
so that he might save our culture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the hope of redemption that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, even here in our text in Deuteronomy, Lord, you point our attention, you direct our attention to Christ. And Lord, that Christ is our only hope. He is the only hope. Because only Christ can change the sinner's heart. So Father, let us be faithful in what you have called us to do. To proclaim Jesus to this lost and dying world. Father, we do pray that we would do everything within our power to change the tide and to bring to an end this culture of death and replace it with a culture of life. Lord, today, I know there's those who are here who don't know Jesus. They're living in sin they're living in death. Oh Lord, let them see the hope of redemption in Jesus. Let them turn to Him, trust in Him, and receive eternal life in Him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.